Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Lauren, and this is Pink Freud. Where we have a little girl talk and incorporate philosophical and psychological concepts, all while listening to Pink Floyd. So first, we just wanted to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Plato's Closet, for being an incredible place where you can go and donate and shop and a place where your clothes that are at the back of your closet can finally see the light of day once again. So I personally love to shop at Plato's Closet because I love to thrift and you'll find out later on as to why. Um, But if you're looking to save some money and save the environment while you're doing it, go ahead over to your nearest Plato's Closet today. So the song that Jess played um, is called Learning to Fly and it's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs because there's this one lyric um, that I think is particularly relevant to today's topic of identity and the self. It goes, a soul intention that's learning to fly, conditioned grounded but determined to try. And I like this lyric because it inspires me to keep striving toward achieving, you know, my most authentic self and it helps me recognize the importance of, I guess, embracing the journey to becoming the most fulfilled version of myself. Wow, I mean, Lauren, I think that's amazing. I love how you take these opportunities to just reflect on your personal identity and what you value in life and what you want to continue to strive for. So, yeah, I really admire that. Um, Well, actually, I've also been having to do this kind of introspective identity reflection lately. Um, and well, with college apps coming up and everything, I'm, I'm sure you've been doing the same as well, but yeah, I've just been having to think about myself and who I am. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, like, after college, we've had to do like so much reflecting and, you know, we've had to kind of find, you know, the ideal self that we want to mm-hmm. portray for colleges. And I guess I think the hard part about this whole college process is like having to do that deep reflection and I guess trying to determine like what version of yourself is most um, desirable for these colleges and uh, like on one hand it's like you're trying to be your most genuine self but on the other it's like I want to look good so mm-hmm. how how do we do that you know? Yeah no yeah I totally agree. I mean, I'm just thinking like, yeah, it's just trying to find the balance between who do, who do they want or who do you think they want you to be versus who do you want to be or like who who are you, I guess, in that sense. So yeah, just finding that balance. And I, th- I think it's also kind of made me realize like our perceptions of ourselves are ma- a lot based on how others might perceive us. So I think that's also an interesting thing to factor in, especially when talking about personal identity and ourselves. Yeah, that's a super good point. I mean, I feel like a lot of me, I don't know what's the genuine version of myself when a lot of me is largely influenced by, you know, growing up and hearing what people thought about me. I mean, like, oh, you're such a hard worker or you're so confident. And I feel like even though I didn't even really feel that way myself when I first received those compliments, I kind of internalized them, you know, and it kind of mm-hmm. became my identity. And I'm kind of unsure of like, you know, what's my most genuine self if a lot of who I am is largely based on how others perceive me, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree. I mean, growing up too, I've been told these sorts of things. And I mean, in a sense, it makes me wonder, how would I be able to identify myself if it wasn't for others telling me? So in that case, I guess my, or like my question for you is, how do you know, I guess, who your most authentic self is or 
I mean, would it be you in the past before the, all the external influences, or would it be you now with all the influences? So, I mean, I guess, yeah, just again, finding that balance. I mean, I, that's really interesting. How do we revisit a time where our perceptions of ourselves weren't tainted by other people's, <laughs> you know, external influence, I, I guess? Um, which I think is super interesting because I guess if you look at it from like the, a human perspective, you know, with his theater um, analogy of how we're all kind of just like, we're not one self, but instead we're just like different versions of ourselves. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But yeah, what's yeah. really interesting about that is like, I, I don't really have much memories of who I was before. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, I don't have much memories from when I was a kid. So does that mean like if I can't recall my past, am I just what I'm cognizant of? Meaning am I just my most recent memories? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting because also if we're trying to factor in Locke's point of view and his mm -hmm. memory chain, um, it's I mean, I feel like it's like counterintuitive, but it's kind of the same idea where it's like if you can't remember who you were before and the memories that have shaped you to be who you are today, then uh -huh. Can you even really consider that yourself? Or like, can you consider that a contributor to your current self? Exactly. So yeah, that's also a super interesting point. And yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like I remember in AP Psych, we both took that. You mentioned mm -hmm. that you have this sort of infantile job. Is that? Oh yeah. Um. Well, I think it really came to life. Yeah, like during psych and especially during psychology. Uh, I mean, wait. The philosophy class, sorry, I just mixed those up. Um, yeah, I mean, when I learned about infantile amnesia for the first time, and I guess, yeah, just just thinking of myself and like who I am, um, I come to find out that, yeah, like this is might be kind of weird, but like I don't have many or like I don't have any memories from when I was younger. And this is also kind of weird because I feel like I'm just trying to discern what I when I'm trying to force myself to think or ideas per se um, things that I'm making uh -huh. up to make myself believe that maybe I remember some things from my past when I really don't but in that case like how do I discern the impressions or the real memories from my mirror ideas so I'm always in that little conflict of how much of my past self has contributed to my current self but also how do I know what has and what hasn't you know yeah, yeah, so that's all been a little hard for me. Well, yeah, that is really tricky. I feel like in order to make that, you know, distinction, you know, a lot of it is mm -hmm. unconscious, meaning like our trauma and how we deal with that in present day mm -hmm. situations. I feel like those are just reflections of who we were as kids. Mm -hmm. And that we might not be like consciously aware of like the habits that we do and their relations to who we were as kids, I feel like that's how you, you know, make that distinction because I feel like yeah. um, in order to genuinely, you know, like rethink who you were as a kid, it manifests into who you are now, if that makes sense. It's very yeah. Freudian and that like mm -hmm. how we act right. are just like results of who we were as kids. So even though you're not like conscious of it, you know, um, your body is kind of like, it, it remembers, you know, the stuff that happened kids as a kid um yeah i feel like that's why in order to revisit like who you were as a kid, i feel like you have to do a lot of introspection especially yeah. if you don't have like 
the ability to remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's a really interesting point you brought up because, yeah, when we were first learning about Hume and Locke and these different theories, I was like, man, am I supposed to have a long memory chain of all my earliest memories? So it kind of worried me. Like, I came into a little personal identity. I wouldn't say crisis, but just a little conflict of, am I supposed to have these memories? Or even Hume, but there is no self. He talks about the different perceptions of his earliest memories, but I don't even have perceptions, much less the memories themselves. So I think the Freud approach is very, yeah, I was very reading, fitting for me too. Yeah, I was writing my college essay last night and mm-hmm. I work better like writing on physical paper. So I was looking for mm. like, something to write on, I guess. And I found this journal um, that I, okay, I was three years old. I stole from Salvation Army. <gasps> okay, oh. so like, no, 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 yeah, I was a little rebellious. Okay. <laughs> a convict at three years old. Um, oh, but, Lauren. <laughs> right? But like that physical, like that tangible memory. Yeah. Like, that thing reminded me of my past. Like, okay, can I just tell you the story? No, so yeah, go for it. Like, I was just like, at Salvation Army, my mom was like, you'll find that thrift stores are like a huge part of my life, but I guess we can mm. get into that later. <laughs> um, but I found this, bar- this Barbie journal. And I was like, I'm going to take it. It's going to be mine. And I guess (laughs) my mom, like, she discovered it, like, on her way home. And she started yelling at me, obviously, as one does when you don't want your child to be a delinquent. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, like, that memory, like, really stuck out to me because it kind of, like, that was, like, a turning point in my life when I realized, like, what good and bad was, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I, like, developed a value system. And that has, like, persisted throughout my life. And I just thought it was wow. so cool that that one like tangible thing, that diary could really just bring me back to my childhood and reminded me of like mm-hmm. who I have become. So I feel like, yeah, do you have anything like that um, um your childhood? Or like memories necessarily or just like... Or just like objects that remind you of... Oh, your- so yes. like if we're trying to relate this to our concepts, Memento, the movie that we watched in class the other day, I mean, these can serve as our mirrors, you know? Exactly. That's so true. So I guess um, in my or in my life, since you know I can't really <laughs> remember a lot of stuff, anyways. But in the the my mementos, I guess in revisiting my past self, uh, I went on or I traveled a lot when I was younger. So we would always bring back different types of souvenirs, and I keep like picture frames in my room, and even like things such as class shirts. So I think these tangible things really help me to, or remind me, I guess, who I am and where I've come from. So yeah, I do find these really, really helpful. Um, I guess one specific example, I went to Seattle with my family when maybe I was six around. Um, We went to the Space Needle and and I guess we bought a photo frame from there. And then we took one of those ones where you just go in front of the green screen, you know? (laughs) Classic, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The classic vacation picture. Um, yeah, so that's just sitting on my nightstand. And every time I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember, like, we went to Seattle. And it brings, conjures these memories for me. So yeah, I do yeah. find that super helpful. Okay, the concept of souvenirs, I just think is just so funny. Like, you go to this place, like, for example, I went to, like, Paris at, like, mm-hmm. six years old. And 
my mom like she went kind of ham you know like years <laughs> and i just think it's so funny because like if you turn if you look at the bottom of each like eiffel tower um kind of like figure or something like that you see like a sticker that says made in china like i think oh it's just God. so funny yeah. because it's like um there's this thing that's supposed to remind you um of this place and it has little to no connection to like the actual place you know <laughs> Exactly. It's like so funny, but I, it's it's like the sentimental value of it that makes it good. Yeah. So like, I guess my family kind of just like developed this rule of thumb where it's like if it's not made in that place, then it then we shouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of like helped me develop my own tradition of like whenever I go to a certain place, I go thrifting or like to a record mm-hmm. shop, just because like I think there's so much value in owning something that was once owned. Um, by someone that lived in that place. I just feel, it feels like there's so much more connection. Um, so yeah, that's like my my deal with like that type of stuff. And I guess like fungibility, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this <laughs> plastic figurine of the <laughs> power. Um, to a lot of people, it's like disposable, you know? You can throw it away, but just like, I guess the memories that you have connected to it is what like makes it sentimental, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could probably or i don't know maybe these things are rare but if you were to throw that one out and say just get a new one shipped from amazon or something i mean i doubt it would have much of the same value as it did the one that you bought from your trip so yeah i just think i also find that that concept super intriguing especially when focusing on the value of things and even if two things are identical which one means more i mean i didn't even ever think that i would have to think about that kind of thing but it's true, yeah. and I see it prominent in my life as well. So, yeah, that's an amazing point you brought up. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, if you set up a green screen in your home and you bought some little dingy frame of Seattle <laughs> and you tried to recreate that memory, although, like, kind of cheesy, and I'm not calling you out because I have memories too. Like, we're, <laughs> like, we're not perfect. Um, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> if you just recreated that at home, first of all, it's like, okay, what are you doing? But also, yeah, it's like, even though how how cheesy it may be, um, it had to have been done in Seattle, or else like it wouldn't have that much value. Yeah, me, you know? exactly. Like when if I looked at it on my nightstand before I went to sleep, I'd be like, oh yeah, like I just took that in my house. It's the memory right. behind it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Just like, why is it on my bed stand, like my nightstand to begin with? Like, yeah, like why is it in my home? <laughs> why do I need it here? True. Like, how how is it important enough to be there? Exactly. I guess is the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that makes so much sense. I mean, imagine me <laughs> setting up a green screen in my home. But anyways, anyways, you won't talk. About that. <laughs> but like, I think for me, you know how I talked about wanting to strive to become like a more genuine version of myself. Yeah, of course. Thing, you know, me like trying to like to seek out souvenirs that have meaning definitely mm-hmm. plays into that. Um, but I feel like it, it, it took a while for me to, you know, kind of stray away from that materialistic point of view. Mm-hmm. Meaning like I think so much of our generation especially it's like we put a lot of value on material things, right? Yeah. Um and like it's it definitely took a lot to like re you know reform my thinking in a way but you know i think this was especially apparent when like our grade had those those forms going out to buy class rings you know what i mean oh yes yeah so many people wanted it 
I don't even think like they were super involved in the Punahou community, but like they just <laughs> wanted it because like uh, like they they attach so much to like a tangible thing like a ring that yeah. costs ten bajillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for real though, for real. Yeah. Okay. Did you get a class ring? Actually, yeah, I did. So I guess, I mean, my thought behind it was, I just felt that it had sentimental value. Um, my mom went to Pono. She also got a class ring, and she has it open on her her dresser. I guess just there to remind her that you know, hey, I completed Pono school, <laughs> and I mean all the memories, of course, that she's had while attending. So I think she or. I, w- I wanted the same type of feeling, you know, when I look at my class ring in the future. So yeah, I think that's where I was going with it. But Lauren, I know you said that you decided actually not to get one, and that's yeah. And I, or yeah, I mean, there's really nothing wrong with that. I really like, and your explanation was really in- or like it made so much sense when you told me. So can you tell can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Okay. So for whoever's listening to this, we had a little talk about this. Um, yesterday, just about class rings and stuff. But I personally, okay, first and foremost, I didn't get one because it was so expensive. But oh, also, yeah, I, just, I didn't, I didn't think there was like a huge need for it, mainly because mm-hmm. I, I spent my entire high school career basically documenting everything. Literally, my job for Carnival was like to yeah. be the documentarian. So I have so much footage of like my time here in high school, I like at, at Punahou and stuff. Like, I feel like I don't need. A tangible representation of like mm-hmm. my time here because I have so many videos which you know um, referring back to I guess Hume's um, you know theory of like impressions and ideas I have um, <laughs> did you hear that glass breaking oh um, what? I did not hear that anyways okay. go for it no yeah like I think I have a lot of like documentation of my years here at Plano mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think those are enough, um, if not more valuable than a ring. Although I think this is just like me having like um, hindsight bias. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to justify the fact that I didn't get one. But mm-hmm. it does make sense as to why I wouldn't really need like another like supplemental thing to make me yeah. feel like I'm a, the Punahou community. Of course. Because I think I have enough vi- visual evidence of that being true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, your reasons behind it totally valid. I mean, I can totally understand why you wouldn't opt for a ring. I mean, the expense for one thing, but it's just like, I think this this shows or this indicates that you do really have a strong sense of identity because you have factored in your own personal passions and interests and how you have done it individually to impact the school. And I honestly, I think that's much more meaningful than I mean, a ring that everyone gets. I mean, it does give everyone a sex, a sense of collective identity. Oh, sorry, but I mean, at the same time, like, it's your your mem or your memento is individualistic, and I think that's the amazing thing about it. So yeah, I mean, I think that's an that's an amazing reason, and yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, okay, that's really funny because like individualism, I feel like for me is like a huge part of who I am. Or a part mm-hmm. of like who I want to become, and like yeah. okay, maybe 
It's because I'm an attention seeker. Well, I mean, if you talk to my therapist, it's because I'm a middle child and I don't get much attention. <laughs> um, but like, it's also, I think it's because of just my personality type in general. I mean, you took the Myers-Briggs test or like a version yeah. of it recently. And my results basically said that I'm someone who is kind of, who finds meaning in being apart from a pack. And I like mm -hmm. being a reader and I hate being a subordinate, which is completely true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that I consistently get that result on the test, you know, of being, I guess it's called a campaigner, of mm. always wanting to be like this individual who leads and like, who's who, like facilitates and like appreciates freedom and creativity. And I, I've yeah. taken the test like multiple times, like four times, and I always get that. Mm -hmm. So I guess in a way, like you wow. said, I, I, I might have a, strong sense of self what about you your um, result well i guess just for a second to reflect back on your or your results um i've known you for a while since third grade soccer um and i want to say <laughs> that is that is so true i mean you are a leader in the best way possible and i know since we've been young you've been so passionate innovative creative um and just like expressive and I just love that about you, you know? And I feel like it, it's really one of those defining characteristics that makes you who you are. And I think that's amazing. And the Myers-Briggs test knows that too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but and then I guess it, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, go for it. Oh, go no, no, go, go, go. No, I kind of, <laughs> I should have thought. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry about that. Uh, well, I guess, or I guess I was gonna elaborate more on my results too. So I got the protagonist. Um, I think that the key values for that is really uh, like an altruistic attitude, helping others whenever possible. Um, I guess just, yeah, helping my community to operate more smoothly in any way I can. Um, I mean, I feel like that also reflects my best or my ideal self. Not, not sure if that's my best self, but my ideal self, uh, who I want to be, what I want to pursue when I get older. So yeah, I thought that was also cool results to receive. So yeah. <laughs> so I know we both took it in like AP Psych and college counseling, and I guess now. Have your mm -hmm. results been the same throughout the years? Always, always been the same. Um, that's Horrible. so interesting to me because, I mean, I feel like as much as I want to think I've changed, maybe I haven't very much. Maybe my core values have stayed the same. So that makes me think, maybe did myself persist over time? I mean, yeah, that's really interesting to me. No, I think but it's yeah, super what about you? Well, first, I just want to comment on your results. Um, I, okay, I've known you for such a long time and I, I could not have explained you any better. I mean, oh. you're always willing to help. You're like the, you know, quintessent altruistic person to ever exist. Oh. Um, and you know, that's what I love about you. And I think it's so great that like, you subconsciously recognize that too um but yeah but what's interesting is that like um the results that we got um it kind of it shows it shows us like visually what we think of ourselves right mm -hmm. um yeah. and i guess both of us we kind of agreed that the results that we received were consistent with who we are yeah but yeah. what i'm wondering is like the fact that both of us kind of agreed with each other's results yeah. Does that further show that like who we are, are we really our genuine selves or just like the perceptions of others? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's okay, so that's tricky. super interesting. 
Well, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for your reflection on my results.、Um, I really appreciate that, especially because I try really, or I mean, I guess I do try hard to be really compassionate towards others and I guess care for others. So it makes me feel really great. <laughs>、um, anyways, I mean, back to your question. That is a really interesting thought because I guess on one hand, it's like, Yeah, like the, this is who I am. But at the same time, it's like I agree with your results. So I guess maybe it's a mixture of both. I don't know. It, that's a really tricky one to answer, honestly. That is super tricky. I mean, oh my gosh, the self is so complicated. Like it's not black and yeah, white. It's it、really、so、is. hard. And like, super. I feel like, okay. I know in the, the test, right? It shows like perspective careers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got actor, writer,、mm-hmm. news journalist,、um, artist, which is like literally just me. <laughs> so I thought that was super cool. <laughs>、um, so, you know, I guess going back to the feeling of just feeling lost in the college process because we don't really know what we're going to be in the future. I like tests、yeah. like the Myers Briggs test. If you do have a strong sense of self, you know, I feel like it can help like lead you in the right direction, perhaps. And maybe if you don't even、yeah. like, like you who has like infantile amnesia, I feel like those types of tests can help you identify who you are. You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. So, like, what did、yeah, you do for your、totally. career thing?、Um, mainly just the kind of like community. Helpers, I guess, social work,、uh, politician, teacher,、uh, healthcare.、Um, mm-hmm. But actually, I was, I really,、uh, I guess I really identified with that as well because I do hope to pursue a career in healthcare when I'm older, or as of now at least. But yeah, yeah. so I thought that was an accurate reflection of who I want to become as well. That's incredible. I mean, like, it's so, so crazy just because. Um, are you in Variety Show? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. So basically, I'm. Oh god. If I say this, it sounds braggy, does it not? It's okay, I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay, go for so, it. So, on, on Lauren's career, one of Lauren's careers is actress. And that was so, like, that's so suitingly fitted her because she is one of the stars of our Variety Show. <laughs> and she can elaborate a little bit more on her role. <laughs> Okay, see, super interesting because literally they wrote the role around me and like their perceptions of me.、Um, they literally, they, okay, they portrayed me as this like hyper passionate,、um, raging perfectionist. And I guess, okay, that is me,、um, I'll admit. But I just think it's so funny because like their perception of me, I kind of internalized that in a way like the person that I'm playing for Variety Show is literally who I was as a freshman, meaning I was kind of. Like, not self aware, you know, and I was just super,、mm-hmm. just like robotic in a way. And I feel like opposite of kind of what we talked about in the beginning of like internalizing other people's thoughts of ourselves, I kind of、mm-hmm. wanted to break away from that because I knew that so、yeah. many people thought of me as being like the serious person.、Um, yeah. I guess, okay, in a way that kind of is like they influenced who I am because I didn't want to be like who、yeah. I thought I was. Oh, that is so complicated. But, yeah, that... <laughs> yeah, I guess what I find comfort in knowing is like I'm super consistent、um, in tests like the Myers Briggs one, you know? 
and like I'm always who I am so I guess like external influences they're not super influential and that like I have stayed consistent regardless of like Mm -hmm. where I am in life is that true to you too? yeah I mean your example is very interesting because I mean even in the broader scale of I mean the acting or the acting industry and movies and stuff or sorry if this is gonna take it on off tangent or on another tangent but I just wanted to know things such as or like you know when I see Robert Downey Jr. I think oh that's Iron Man like Uh do, do these roles that are given to them do they influence the way we see them and therefore does it influence their identity so i mean i think that's also another interesting thing to consider okay dude you bringing up robert downey jr first of all like okay we're going off on tangents now but on my test it said that robert downey jr is also the same like personality type as me no way oh my god the universe the way this works i know that's crazy but like okay yeah you're right how do actors just like not internalize their roles like i know sarah person she like is so convincing that her body like it holds that trauma like she plays like super just like crazy characters you know like in Mm -hmm. american horror story yeah and like there's some stuff like her getting possessed and she i heard in an interview she was like um i need to go to therapy because even though my (sighs) mind knows that this isn't what's going on my body doesn't know the difference that's Which crazy. So crazy. Like I, I don't feel like that is so. Sick. I feel like, yeah, you're right. Like actors, like how do they like? They must be having constant existential crises. Like how do they stay the same? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to Freud's multi-layered act or approach. I mean, yeah, I'm sure the trauma gets stored in the unconscious at least, and build and it if it builds up through all those years then doesn't that have an influence on who or her sense of self and yeah i mean that's just so crazy to think about especially when yeah. they're constantly trying to portray people that they're not do exactly. they become those people i feel like to be an actor you must have a strong sense of self like sandra oh my definitely I oh my gosh <laughs> sandra oh yeah like, of course grey's anatomy oh screw beautiful i'm brilliant if you want to appease me compliment my brain so basically, like, I love her, and I watch interviews her of her all the time. And she basically said she was like, when your life is so public, you must be incredibly private, or else you just lose mm. all sense of self. And exactly. I think it's just so interesting because, like, if you look at Disney stars, especially. Like yeah. their lives, from like the most formative points in their lives, which are like from when they're kids, they're always yes. like in the public eye and like mm-hmm. we see them like go into downward spirals after after their careers because like they have no sense of self which i think is just so yes yes crazy. yeah so i guess my question is like as we change as we go from a role of being a high schooler and then becoming a college student you know what i mean mm-hmm. the circumstances are incredibly different and i guess that's kind yeah. of like how actors change their roles in a way you know? Yeah, totally. How, how do we stay true to ourselves when we do go under those, you know, life-changing um, uh, transition? You know? Yeah, that's a really good question. Honestly, I mean, I feel like I don't really have an answer for that because going back to even Unit One concepts, like Socrates said, 
the exam the unexamined life is not one worth living and i feel like or the allegory of the cave even it's just we don't know until we actually experience it for ourselves you know and yeah we can yeah like we could spend all this time trying to think about who we want to be what we're going to become all these cri- or not crises <laughs> circumstances you know, that will yeah. potentially potentially influence us but in the end i mean we are these prisoners trapped in the cave and we won't be freed until we actually know the truth. go through it ourselves and really yeah. keep our like it stays with us you know i guess the scary thing and i guess the good thing about the future is like you don't know what it's going to be like yeah, and i kind of exactly. find comfort in that because you know i'm a type of overthinker and um I often like think of the worst possible scenarios sometimes, so I guess that makes me a pessimist. But I guess like I find comfort in knowing that my worst outcomes that I may be imagining will probably not even happen. You know, so I guess yeah, there's a good and bad thing to the unpredictability of the future. But I think in exactly. order to like overcome those feelings of just like fear um, from what like the future poses. I feel like it's good that you and I, like we both mentioned, like we do have a strong sense of self, and whatever mm-hmm. that may mean, whether you believe in like the Hume theory or like Locke, um, I think it's a evidence that we do know who we are, and that like our test that we take the Myers Briggs one, it shows like a certain consistency that yeah. kind of reassures me in my thinking and like okay, maybe we do know who we are, and maybe we should just trust the process, you know? Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, And even with Socrates saying, you know, the soul is immortal. The soul just persists through all time and space. And I mean, maybe it does. And I mean, again, we just won't know until it actually happens. But I mean, there's just crazy things to think about. Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree. I think we just need to trust in the process, stay true to ourselves the best we can, and embrace these changes. It'll make us stronger. Exactly. And- It will shape us. I I think it will shape us, and I guess we can just go through our lives with, or I could not say trying to find our true identity, but just holding on to our identity. But also, I guess bringing in new values and new experiences that will end up shaping who we are eventually. But I guess we'll never know until it happens. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, I feel like the tiring thing about philosophy is like. There's so many different perspectives to take into account, and I guess with life being the thing that you study, you know, and I guess I <laughs> the defining question of philosophy, I feel like, is like, what is life? Which I think is just like yeah, totally exactly. you can't answer that. And I guess yeah. although it's kind of unsatisfying, I know like we're humans and we try to find reasons and answers for everything, but I guess yeah. you have to accept. That the thing about life is like you can't really define it, and you, you just have to embrace the journey. Which like brings us back to I guess the song that we talked about in the beginning of this. Like we're all just learning to fly, you know, and like you just have to embrace, you know, the the unpredictability of it all, you know, because like you can't control everything, and who knows? Maybe if you don't know yourself or like who you are, but like you just gotta. Keep rolling with the punches because you can't ever really define who you are and like what your life becomes. You know? Yeah. Exactly, Lauren. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> okay. Well, I I wish you the best of luck in your college、um, application process. 
You too. I really appreciate yeah. talking with you. It really made me feel more a sense of comfort, I guess, going into this new phase of our lives. That's incredible. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, thank you for listening to Pink Floyd.